can start now. To, we can start now. Start. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have a jingle? Hey, everyone. So today we got Ryan Barasa, a local comedian, good friend. We're going to talk comedy, like always. He's going to give us tips, tricks, advice. He's going to tell us about how he started. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit, of, little bit of feelings, I guess, you know, talking about like what makes a comedian. Not makes, but our personas, our personalities, who we are, and how that projects. So let's take a listen. Uh, be sure to like, follow, subscribe, tweet. Uh, I don't know what you kids are doing on whatever whatever TikTok is called. Just make sure you do it. If you like the channel, if you like what you're hearing, um, if you've got questions, um, if you have yeah, questions or advice you want to give, feel free to put that on the show um, in the comment section. Let me know. All right, let's take a listen. I put some music in the beginning. Okay. It starts it off. Yeah, yeah. I found something online I can use. Welcome to Johnny Castillo Show. I'm thinking about doing something a little bit more original like that, actually. Sure. You yeah. got drums now, so you can probably... I would go for Kirk, to Kirk for this. Kirk, Kirk. is actually... He get, he's gotten paid several times making yeah. intros for people. Yeah. I, I, musically. I, he, he's next on my list. He's a talented fellow. He's next on my list for... Specifically, that those the music stuff he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be yeah, here. Hello, good. internet. Hello. Welcome to You Do Comedy. Yes. So we're going to talk about your baking skills. Me, all right. <laughs> I have none. And that's the end of the podcast. I don't think I've baked I saw in stuff my entire here. life. That's all Joe. Yeah. They look good. Those brownies look Funny delicious. comedian Joe Pidotto. Oh, I'm yeah. sure he got that from friends mm. for his birthday or something like that. Oh, they look delicious. I don't think I've ever baked once in my life. I baked those pre-made cookies. You just put them in the oven. Mm, Does yeah, that count? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I have then, but I don't know if that into, not from scratch. Scratch. No, I never done anything from scratch. Yeah. No. No. Not at all. Yeah, but welcome to the show. Um, like I've mentioned, it's for. It's not even for newbies at this point. It's just anybody who wants to know behind the scenes comedy. Sure. How to get started? What to do? Blah blah blah. All those million questions people have. I love comedy. Yeah. So my first question for you, because we're just gonna dive right in. Uh, I want to hear your first time doing comedy. What made you like? Let me try it. You know, that whole story. Um, well, uh, I've always been interested in comedy pretty much my entire life, you know, watching it on TV and stuff like that, whether or not be stand-up. The Daily Show had a really big influence on me, stuff like that. You know, I watched, watched a lot of Comedy Central. Those VH1 music shows, I always loved those too, and those always had comedians and so, improvisers and all that. And uh, But it was really never something that I ever even fathomed to be a possibility like because uh, I, I took drama and improv in high school um, for a couple of years and I really loved it so I, I always thought that I wanted to be an actor or at least like a comedic actor or something like that like Jim Carrey was like it was still one of my biggest idols you know yeah, funny, funny movies of, comedy movies in terms of comedic people yeah um, so yeah I just never even thought of how to do it and I chased this stupid dream of uh being a an actor i even moved to california and was homeless for a little bit pursuing just minuscule behind the scenes extra shit i got headshots that i, j I actually just found too gotta show those to you sometime um yeah and i chased that and it for a while trying to be an actor and i fucking hated it and it was just such a miserable thing because like Acting and comedy are so different because you can do comedy wherever you want, pretty much. Acting, you actually have to get an audition yeah. and sit down with people and all that nightmare shit. Um, I actually auditioned to be in Couples Retreat 
that Vince Vaughn movie. Really? Yeah. Ooh, and uh, I got to like the next level and then they just never, uh, they never followed up. But I did get an email that said Vince Vaughn's sister, the producer likes your look. Okay, that's good. So, that's good. you know, keep it, keep at it. Vince Vaughn, if you're watching there. this, his sister. Vince Vaughn, why would you do a Freaky Friday movie? Anyway. I actually kind of like that. Did you see I, it? I liked it. I probably would like it too. There Vince Vaughn, why did you talk to Donald Trump like he's your BFF? Maybe he was acting. Maybe he was acting. Um, but yes, so I pursued a stupid life as an actor and I hated it. And I wouldn't say that I, you know, I gave up. Um, but I just, you know, took the other route of like, I was on a date and um, the girl I was seeing was like, do you want to see a live comedy show? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'd, it was in Massachusetts in Boston. So I was like, I've never seen a live comedy show before. Let's go do it. So we went to the Beantown Comedy Vault in um, Boston, Massachusetts. Dick Doherty's Beantown Comedy Vault, which then end up wound up being a comedy cave and a comedy den, like they change, they change locations, um, and then eventually it's like the t- comedy pit, and then the <laughs> comedy hole. Uh, That's pretty cool, though. But went to you know first uh, live comedy show, um, this tiny little uh, room, and it was a showcase, and there was you know a bunch of nobodies, and then the show was closed out by Gary Goldman. I had no idea he'd be there. I've loved Gary Goldman ever since I, I think I originally. Did your light just dim? That was kind of cool. Uh, I didn't know I, could, I didn't know I could do that on its that's own. Actually, interesting. Yeah, that's it's like it's running out of juice. Uh, but yeah, so Gary <laughs> Goldman, um, live. You know, just out of out of nowhere. I don't I don't remember. It was like ten dollar tickets or something. It was like next to nothing. We're talking about like the Gary Coleman from. Uh, What's what's oh, did you say Gary Coleman? Yeah. No, Gary Goldman. Goldman. Okay. Yes. I, I heard Gary Coleman. Goldman is a. Oh, okay. Gary Coleman is a you know four foot three dead. Black actor. Yeah, I, I can't remember the. What was the show? That's um, Family Strokes. Yeah, Family okay. Strokes. Right. That's who I thought you said at first. I'm like, I didn't. I didn't know. Right. Was it fam- Was it Family Strokes or Different Strokes? Different Strokes. Yeah. Not. Yeah. I was thinking, thinking Family, family Matters, matters and Different Strokes. Oh, okay. Two g- very good shows Forgive with me. practically an all black cast. Uh, I was a Family Matters guy uh, myself. I loved Urkel. He was right. I watched that all the time um, when I was a kid. But anyway, uh, so yeah, Gary. Uh, Gary Goldman uh, was on um, Last Comic Standing. He's like this six foot six muscular Jew. He's this incredibly handsome guy. And he was so funny. And I was sitting right up front. He even interacted with me for some of his jokes. Like he was telling a really great joke that's now been ripped off countless times. But it's like, if you're racist, you shouldn't be able to use that culture's things. Like if you hate black people, you should never be able to eat peanut butter. You know, because it was invented by a black guy. I mean, that makes that that's gonna rule out a lot of things, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know, you can't have fun now. You, I can't have Mexican food. That always interests me too. Do you think a lot of racists order out? And I I do I do I probably think they're like ah, I fucking hate those Mexicans. The only thing those I tacos. Like, mm. Only thing I like about them. That's uh, why I don't report them. But Gary Goldman pointed at me in the audience. He goes, "Like you, sir, if you hated Belgians, you could never eat waffles ever again." And you know, he did. The, it was amazing seeing him live. It was my first professional um live comedian that i wound up seeing and then you know years later i wound up seeing like louis ck and stuff like that and actually started like pursuing trying to see stand up and uh but after that night of seeing gary goldman just sitting there i was just like oh shit this is what i this is what's been missing this is what i need to do this is how i need to waste the rest of my life 
is uh, you know try to make people laugh because just seeing the the power he had and and the control over the audience and all that sort of things and I'd always been a funny person my entire life I always I'd do the jackass stuff throw my body around any sort of anything to get a laugh has kind of always been my life's motivation wow it's very hardcore I, like I don't jackass is doing those uh physical humor yeah i do love physical humor um physical humor is a lot of fun um it's fun if it's not me sure that's that's my standpoint it's you you that's that's the thing you think that now but then you know you i'm not talking about you know full-on jackass stuff where i'm getting in the ring with like a bowl or i'm electrocuting myself like but maybe a shopping cart not a shot. No, I uh, even as a kid, I always recognized those were fuck. You'd get fucked up if you fell I, over in a shopping cart. I think a shopping cart is the furthest I would go. Though, depending how fast the shopping cart is going, it's so stiff and like the second that that falls over, you're gonna have a bad time. But no, I meant like when I, in middle school, like um, I have distinct memories of like swinging on monkey gyms and like intentionally falling. But I knew how to take a fall. Okay. And to this day, I still I, I hold I maintain that I pr- I probably know how to take a pretty good fall, um, and that's always that's funny to me, you know. Like somebody sits in a chair and it breaks, but if you know that's that funny. if they did it intentionally, then that's even like a next level funny because you know they're like they put some thought and uh, where their body's gonna go and all that sort of stuff. I love physical humor. If anyone hasn't seen this clip, look up the comedians of comedy with Zach Galifianakis, Patton Oswalt, Brian Pesane, and uh, Maria Bamford. Um, there's a great thing that Zach Galifianakis does about physical comedy. It's one of the funniest, st- stupid physical comedy things ever. But I love physical comedy. Absolutely. I like it, too. It's I like, love... Uh, I personally, like I said, even if I knew how to take a fall, because I've been trying to do a little acting, and I saw like the, the stunts. Mm-hmm. They were doing this one movie, and they f- jump off a bus onto a mat, and they got to do a flip. And know they're trained, and I'm, you know, so they know what they're doing. And if I even if I got trained, I'd be like, I don't want to do it. Really? I want. I don't like heights. Even like, with a bunch of professionals, around, a bus isn't that high. To me, it's if it's like looking at the Empire State Building. Ooh. So I get it. Yeah, I used to hate. I do. Um, I did heights I a lot too. One time I did. It wasn't. It wasn't really like a stupid thing, but we were, it was all when I was in the army. We were at West Point, and I always forget that you you served. I know, right? I look so young. Uh, we were at West Point. We were for the summer. We were like showing cadets like what branch you can go into and what you'd be doing. Sure. So I was an engineer. We go West Point. We stay in like their lake bunker, whatever area where they do the whatever stuff for the summer. I'm horrible at telling the story right now. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> like you went through all this shit and you're like, yeah, we went to the whatever. It's some uh, bunker. I don't, well, I don't even know the name, but it's like, uh, uh, it, like think of like a summer camp. Yeah, think of a summer camp. You have a bunk. That's what house. the army is, right? It's just one big summer camp. Yeah, you know where what? they call you a maggot and they make you feel like shit about yourself. They do do that, but they build you up sure. and then they tear you back. They teach you discipline. They build you. Clearly, you're now you're a comedian. Well, I'm retired now. I can. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they did. They do instill that stuff in you. Like I was completely different when I was in. So sure. I'm glad it washed away now. Were you like a little asshole? We're all at some point. Everyone becomes a little asshole. Like you go through your phases. Like you come in, you're the brand new guy. He's like, you're either going to be like, fuck this shit. I don't have yeah. to do what you tell me. Or you're going to be the one who does everything they tell you. And right. I was the one who did everything they told. Hmm. Uh, got my rank, moved up. And then eventually at some point you become the asshole because now you're in charge of your friends. Right. And nobody likes that. So at some point you have to be like, no, fuck you. You're going to do what I told you. Yeah. But no, I mean. Thank you. It it does suck. But like eventually you learn like, all right, when the clock strikes 6 a.m., sure. working. Yeah, and then yeah. do what you got to do. 
5, 6 p.m. when it's over, hey, let's go drinking. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. And the big thing was like you just have to do what you're told, whether you like it or not. Right. And the day goes by smooth. Uh, but what was I with this story? Oh, uh, uh, how you're not willing to jump off a bus, but you went through basic training. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when I had the because when you go to basic training, you have to do certain things. You have to complete those things in order to graduate and move on. Because right. obviously they don't want someone who can't throw a grenade. And that's actually something. If you couldn't throw the grenade, they kick you those out. Those things are like six pounds each. You a grenade? make sure you know how to throw them, right? They're I not think, really that heavy. They're pretty heavy. No, they're like they maybe heavy. two pounds. Hell told me that there were six pounds. Now if they're like six pounds, it didn't feel like it. Wow. But even in the army, like it's, you, they work you out. Like um, I remember one time I had to do 100 push-ups. Like, I think we're like seven weeks in or something, mm-hmm. so we're almost done. And it was at the range. I had all my gear on and the vest knee pads the weapon on my back i think i was maybe carrying about 50 pounds on me yikes and i did those push i'm like you know this really ain't that bad anymore like now i can't do more than 10 body weights without being like <sighs> you can definitely do more than 10 i can do 11 you're right <laughs> <laughs> you can do more yeah. than that i a little confident i do the uh the only thing i do is the pull-up bar i would never i was never good at pull-ups i'm pretty good at pull-ups What's actually my record is about 11 um, but I've gotten better now if I, I give myself some time. I think my record was 12, yeah. and that was a couple years ago. And I don't even know how I did that. I was just working out, like, all right, let's do some pull-ups. And the next thing you know, like, hey, I'm way past 10. Yep. No, it feels good. And it's not too hard, you know. Like, if I'm home and I'm just sitting around doing nothing and I feel like I know I could do it, I may as well just get up, go do it real quick, come back out here, sit on my ass, watch TV, whatever, yeah. you know, smoke a bowl and then – Hop in there. Lately, I've been putting my legs out in front of me, and that oh, is the pull-ups? Uh, that's the next level. Yeah, because you got to get the core strength. You got to stabilize. You don't uh, want to yeah. be swinging. That's I got tough. a little. I got a, too much beer, and I got this tiny little tummy going on. It happens. It happens. Me. Yeah. Um, but where was I with the stories? Basic training. No, no, it was West Point. The original West, story. Yes. So uh, let me back up to the West Point story. So yes. we were at West Point. We're training them. We had the day off, and there's a lake, and there's a cliff. With a rope, and you can swing off that rope and jump onto the lake. And mm-hmm. it's about 20 feet from the cliff, and it's not like a straight cliff. So it's got the points right there, and then you just go 20 feet, and then that land ends, and then it's the lake. And everybody's doing it. And so it's you about got a good 20 feet to fuck up. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's about 50 feet in the air. So everybody's doing it, and I'm just like, nope, I don't, I don't like heights. I don't. And then out of nowhere, I'm like, you know, fuck it, give me the rope before I change my mind. Yeah. And I did it. And as I'm about to like let go i see this log with a branch sticking out and then i'm like oh fuck please don't hit that Uh, i missed it good so because i'm here obviously no holes and yeah i don't like doing that stuff and i don't know what came over me i just same with the repelling at basic training you have to learn how to repel they give you a figure eight um i forget what it's called but it's like a figure eight think like a carabine yeah. But then the figure eight, yeah, yeah. it's solid, it doesn't open. Mm-hmm. You get that in a rope, and you have to make your own harness. And then you have to repel from a 50-foot wall. Yeah, no thank you. Yeah, and I was going, and I was going so slow, I'm like, I don't want to fall and die. Mm. And I, the thing that made me go down the fastest was my drill sergeant. I was like, Castillo, if you don't go, if you don't, if you, no, what do you say? If that girl beats you, you're going to do this again. <laughs> so I, next thing you know, I was, whoo, I went down like three hops. I was like, I'm done. Ugh. Yeah, I think I feel like I could probably jump off a bus onto, you know, obviously safety equipment. But at the 50-foot wall climb, that's tough. Yeah. I think it's even like with comedy, you just have to do it 
to push right. through that fear. Yeah. <laughs> but some things are like, <laughs> mm. I mean, how often are you going to come across a 50-foot wall again? You go, oh, it's, I've got to climb this to get over my fear. I mean. Not too often. I, I think I would actually do it again now that I know how to do it. Okay. Now, well, I forgot how to make my own harness. But now that I know, it's really just controlling one hand. You know, one hand leads out, and right. that, now you're falling. Then bring it back, and you're stopping. Yeah. So Makes once sense. you do it, like anything, once you do it and you figure it out, oh, it's really not that hard. I mean, I'm not going to look down now. I have a big motivational rainbow fly by the screen right now. That was very motivational of you. Oh, I'm inspiring today. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, hey, let's get back to you, though. Sure. Because we didn't back get to, to the. Me. I want to. I want to finish hearing the story. Um, so you went to the show. You. That's kind of how it got started, and then, um, you know, uh, after seeing my very first live performance, uh, I knew that I wanted to do it. So I just sat down and I started writing, and I had spoken to a couple comics that put me in contact with other comics that I could talk to. And I talked to them about where to find open mics and I asked for advice and I was asking, um, I was asking professional comics for advice too. Like if I could, I, I remember emailing Jim Gaffigan, uh, Dave Attell. Did they ever and reply? Then, yes. And Ooh. I, and then I met Jim Jeffries in person twice because I went to one of his shows. Really nice guy. He'll actually talk to you. I don't know about so much anymore. This is before all of his, uh, they recent up. success. Yeah. Um, he, even though he was very successful at the time. Um, but yeah, he actually, he spent a good portion of time talking to me, but all three of them, uh, gave me the same advice. Um, they said, write, perform and don't do coke. Right, perform, and don't do coke. Yeah, and I've been doing those ever since. I've n- I've never touched cocaine once because I figure three professional comics, including Jim Jeffries and Dave Attell, who have most likely done cocaine, uh, right, yeah. at some point in their lives. Jim Jim Gaffigan probably not, but <laughs> you know. I mean, that's yeah. I've, I've heard that too. Don't Pretty do solid coke, advice. Yeah. Pretty, it, it's got to be, and it's one of those things. Like normally people give you advice, and you're like, well, I'm gonna do it my way and see how it works. But I feel like that's one advice that you're like, no. You can stick no. to these guidelines and still do it your way because yeah. all you pretty much have to do is just not do coke. <laughs> if right. you want to be in comedy, you have to write and perform regardless. You know? But no coke. No coke. That's no coke. Yeah. Hey, yeah. it's terrible for you. Peaks people out there. Brings your serotonin levels up to this crazy high point, And then if you don't have any more, it brings it back down. To, it depletes your serotonin levels. Yeah. So you get really, really depressed, which is why it's very, very addictive. And you should be very careful. And as comedians, we're already struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to fuck with your serotonin levels unless it's in a good way. That, like, uh, that's not so damaging. Like cocaine, probably. And co- cocaine. Like people who do it are just obnoxious. Like, I've met some that do. I mean, I guess it all. Like everything has to be in some kind of moderation. Yeah. Because yeah. I've you know, there's alcoholics who are horrible people. And then there's alcoholics oh, well, who are so cool horrible. people. <laughs> no, you're not bad. But, you know, then there's alcoholics who are co- cool. Yeah. And then there's just people who every now and then drink. Right. And I'm not saying go and do cocaine and uh, not be horrible, but I've met a few people who do, and they seem pleasant. Maybe that's just because most of the time yeah. they'll just talk your ear off. Yeah. They'll just yap all night, stay up a lot later. Yeah, and I'm not trying to endorse it or condone it or say you can. Oh, by all just, means, do just, whatever you want. Yeah, but uh, Please, do whatever. Not if you're you gonna want. do comedy. It's your body. It's just not not a good idea, most likely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I wrote, and then I went back to Dick Doherty's. I had asked for time that night um, when I saw Gary Goldman, and they gave me a spot 
like a couple Sundays later or something like that. And uh, I just went. It was a showcase. So my first show was a showcase. I was fortunate enough to not have to deal with my first time being in an open mic. Yeah. I did great. You can find that clip online, youtube.com slash Ryan Barasa. You can find my very first time doing stand-up. Um, I think I've seen one of the earlier clips because yeah, you shared it on Facebook. Probably. I usually share it every um, year that I hit my comedy anniversary, which is March 27th, 2011. It'll be 10 years uh, this March hey, coming up. Um, halfway there. Cause, yeah, right. Yeah. Most comedians blow up around 20, so look at you. <sighs> well, we'll see about that. I don't have a lot of motivation or resources, but I'm working on it, and I'm a pretty funny, cool guy. But, yes, uh, so I got uh, to perform on the same show, and, um, you know, five minutes. I did great for my first performance. I invited a ton of my friends, uh, but there is a bunch of strangers as well. Even the comics thought I did great. Uh, next day, I went to an open mic in uh, in like Cambridge, Massachusetts, or something like that, and just fucking died on stage. Just mm-hmm. died. I hated every second of it so much. So between, so because the show, I've done a showcase. Um, I think maybe my first couple weeks, and it felt great because yeah. people are there for the entertainment. People usually pay to be there. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes. So they're gonna listen. They're gonna pay attention. They're gonna right. get their money's worth. And then I've done an open mic later. Like it was, I went. It was on a Monday, I think. So I did that, and then I went to Dive Bar. Yeah. And Dive Bar is notoriously here for, um, it's not for the week. I'm not saying it's a bad place, no. but it's not for the week. If you really want to do comedy, there's nights where even, I've done a, I've seen a few shows, like it's big shows and people still bomb. Yep. And Dive Bar is definitely a place to hone your skills when you bomb like that. If you want a challenge, yeah, it's uh, it's our boxing ring here in Las Vegas. Right. I, I, that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a place where I actually welcome hecklers because half the time I go up with no material or any intentions to tell any material. And then it's just like, could somebody please heckle me so that I have some someone to talk to yeah. while I'm up here? <laughs> I go with the intention that I'm, I'm going to try some material. And if I can get someone to laugh... Mm. Like, all right, I caught your attention enough that that joke is going to work. Yeah. If someone at the bar who's not even listening to the comedy catches it and laughs, it should work really well with people who are. The bar people want you to abuse them. They do. And, and they want to abuse you back, too. I know. And I'm, I'm still nervous with that because I'm not great at crowd work. I'm slowly trying to reach out when I do jokes to, like, interact with people. So I've been I, trying. I, just, I call them white supremacists. Hey, what's up, you white supremacists at Dive Bar? You know, and they that love back it. right yeah. corner is very suspect sometimes. You very know? suspect, very. Uh, but a between, so, okay, so when you did the showcase and then your open mic the next day, did you do the same material? No, I didn't. Um, the first uh, show I did, I like lost half my material because I wound up doing like kind of nervous improv. You can see that I'm a little nervous on stage because when I and when I'm nervous, I laugh a lot. Like I have a little <laughs> like giggle sort of thing. Um, so you can tell I'm nervous. But so I did like half improv, half stuff that I had prepared, which was all shitty material, all just jokes about jerking off. Just okay. Look, it, it yes. wasn't as refined as now. It wasn't. It wasn't as refined as my jerk off jokes that I have to this very day. But, <laughs> but they weren't. Uh, they weren't like, you know, they were, they were just, rough. They, they were just rough. meaningless, gross yeah. jokes. Whereas I, I try to put a little meaning behind my current yeah. gross jokes. I mean, and that's where everyone starts with the gross, dark stuff. Yeah, I'd like you know? to think so. But then, um, you know, very 
like immediately. Um, I don't know if I did it the next day. If if the open mic that I went to was the next day, I feel like it was because I immediately got that I need to do this again kind of mm-hmm. feeling. Um, but either way, uh, no. For the second show at the open mic, I immediately went to material that I really wanted to do. Okay, so you wrote a bunch then. I wrote about I, before I got up on stage. I probably wrote about ten minutes of material. Okay. Um, because I wrote, I wrote just like whatever material, and then I wrote like material that I was just like, I love George Carlin so much, and this is the kind of comic I want to be, and I want to be mm-hmm. very antagonistic towards religion and and uh, politics and stuff like that. So I wrote like a whole five minutes about religion, and at the open mic, it fucking tanked. I've done that stuff, you know, at other places and usually it works at showcases or, you know, not an, it was like an empty diner in Cambridge with just comics. The thing that I did learn that night though, um, so it wasn't like a complete waste of time. The thing that I did learn though is that other people are just going to constantly bomb around you too. Yeah. So you don't have to feel like a pariah. You don't have to feel like shit. You know, you're going to feel like shit regardless, but you don't have to feel like you're the biggest loser in the room because there's plenty of other losers around you. It's very true. Those nights when everyone's having a rough night for, and it's like, oh, it's a tough crowd. Some people Mm. don't like to admit it because they're big, big tough guys or whatever the fuck their opinion is, but there are some just shitty crowds. It happens. Like, usually, I'll sooner blame comics and their jokes and whatever before I'll blame an audience but just sometimes you run into a crowd that just does not give a fuck yeah. about comedy they don't want to hear you they don't want to hear anything you have to say I mean if if you know an open mic and 10 comics go up and no one's laughing that's yeah th- that's the crowd you got a that's, dead room yeah um, I mean and, unless they really like one specific kind of comedy and no one's done it yeah. but no like but then on the opposite side, I've had plenty of experiences where you have a dead room and then you go up and you change the entire thing. Yeah. That's like the greatest feeling in the world because that's happened to me several times in, in my comedy career where it's just literally a dead show. And then you're the beginning of the comedy show, but you're already 10 comics in. And then everybody after you does at least a little better, if not just you know completely yeah. great. Um, that's they, always a good feeling. They got to hear something they want to hear or... Something that's really good. It's like, you know what? I'm going to listen now. Got to get their attention yeah. somehow. Yeah, could uh. you hear one bad comic go up for whatever reason they're bad, um, new or off night, whatever? And it's some people just like, well, I mean, everyone's probably going to be like this. Yeah. But then you go up, like you said, and you're like, bam, I got him. And they're like, <laughs> you know what? Maybe that new, maybe it was a brand new guy first time, didn't know nothing. Just p- most, mostly poor bastards don't even know what comedy shows happening. <laughs> They just yeah. show up and they're like, I just want to drink my miserable life away. And then they're like, what the fuck is this? Some dipshits up on stage talking about his ginger pubes. <laughs> fuck all this. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy where all the mics and shows are. Because um, when I started, like, I didn't know anything. Um, I used that one site in the Facebook group to find stuff. Yep. Um, there's shows at bars, of course. There's shows at that wing, uh, that wing place. Wingstop. Yeah. Yep. The vegan restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, there's shows where you don't expect it to be and then people like you said there's open mics and no one like uh, Grouchy John's yeah at a coffee some people just go in for a coffee and they're like oh they're talking on a mic they stick around sometimes yeah yeah, yeah you, you're fortunate sometimes when you're it's like some places you go to and you pitch it to them and then sometimes you get fortunate where 
people are just like, we want to put on a comedy show. We love comedy. Mm -hmm. Can somebody help us out with that? You know, like that's always, that's always a really great feeling. Like the vegan people, I know for sure they, they really wanted to put on a comedy show. Like that was part of their personality. And it's always great to find those people because it's like, oh good, finally someone that actually gives a shit about this Mm -hmm. stupid art form that we're doing. It's not, because until I got into it, it's not what I thought it was. Because I only watch specials and stuff. not what anyone thinks it is until you actually do it for a while. Right, exactly. Um, The cold nights outside, waiting. The hour you might wait to go up for your five minutes. Yeah. I have this DM on Twitter. I don't even know. I don't know if I can bring it up quick enough, but it was just so funny to me. I can kill time. Somebody had DM'd me for comedy advice, and it was just like the most you don't know anything about comedy sort of deal I've seen in a while where it's just like okay your approach to this entire thing is not going to work out no that's it's uh, and that's the, the it's so many different styles of comedy if someone I've picked up someone tells you you're not doing this comedy thing right yeah no you just don't like my style Right, you know, you don't like maybe you like deadpan. You don't like the whole energetic, or maybe you like the energetic and like the deadpan. They think like, it's gonna hurt your feelings. Like a lot of people, like that's one of the most common insults you'll get as a comedian over the years. Is you're not funny, and it's like maybe not to you, not but to you. There's seven billion people in the world. Yeah, sorry, you yeah. have shitty taste in humor. I yeah, guess, like, exactly. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this woman had asked me. She's like. She's like, I've always been too chicken shit to get up on stage. Do you have any ideas? And like every time that somebody says that to me, I just I usually say, um, what's the worst that could happen? Very simple, straightforward question that usually people will do the very best to avoid just answering the question. But most of the time people are just like, oh, hecklers or I don't get any laughs. And it's like, yeah, That's just despite the fact that you'll be doing this for you know, however long you decide to do it, if you if you do it up to five years or even further than that or whatever, how much time you put into this, you're always going to meet hecklers and yeah. get silence. Even at a good crowd. Even a good crowd. There's maybe a one drunk who's always trying to get involved. And, yeah. But Or the nights where I'll be doing great and I'll tell one joke and that joke will bomb. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, okay. Um, Thought we were cool. But do you right. guys remember when I wasn't bombing? I <laughs> uh, remember that. Or, you know, sometimes you can save it. But the nervousness of people, like, when it comes down to, like, their approach to comedy, it's just like, I promise you, you don't understand what you what it is. You're not going to be on a theater stage in front of hundreds of people to a point where you even really need to feel nervous because you're probably in a bar with at most 50 people, um, most of whom are trying to do exactly what you're doing. So there's really no need to, like my uh, view has been, at least until I stopped, since I removed um, stage fright and nervousness entirely from performing because this is how I view it is just I love it so much that I need to do it. Yeah. So there's no purpose in wasting my energy feeling nervous or anything like that. If you have the I'm going to go up there and do my thing kind of attitude, then I think that'll benefit. I I still get a little anxious. Mostly nowadays it's just because I want to hurry up and get it done. Like I don't want to sit around and wait. Yeah. Am I next? Am I next? Especially like on the way to do the Friday mics. Right. Oh, yeah. Because you're just like, am I going to go up? Yeah. You want to feel that good part. And Mm -hmm. then when you're up there, you want it to last a while. Yeah. Usually, like, you know, you want to do it, especially if you're doing like a five minute show, it'd be like, oh, this five minutes feels fantastic. 20 sure would be great. <laughs> but 
it is what it is. It is what it is. Eventually, we'll. Yeah, but we'll once have you new get shows. Up, yeah, but once you get up there, um, at least for me, any ancientness stage fright is just gone, and now it's kind of like autopilot. I have certain jokes that, if I forget the ones I was gonna do, mm-hmm. I they just start coming out the ones I wasn't. Other jokes, I'm like, I'm not gonna do this joke. I'm gonna do this new bit I want to work on, right. and next thing you know, like a bomb or something like. I'm doing this joke instead. Yeah, back to the best <laughs> of or whatever I can think of at the top of my head that's I know for sure is funny. Uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, uh, definitely big fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've actually, I mean, you've complimented me on the last week um, that I did good, and it's surprising because these are like old jokes. These last two performances I've seen you do were uh, pretty great because it, it did, weren't you great at the Cork and Thorn last week too? Yeah, I had I had them laughing. And then um, Steve McAnally's show you were awesome on for sure. That yeah. was definitely one of your best performances. And it's definitely practice. So being scared and to go up, um, like we keep telling people, just go up. If they don't laugh, just keep going up. Muscle through it. That's yeah. all you can do because you don't want to be one of those guys that gets pissed off at the audience unless you can make it funny. Um, if that's big talent, that's there's a few people I've seen who can do that. Yeah, and they get away with it. Fuck you, you dummies! You guys right. are too stupid to get my jokes. If if you do it like lightheartedly enough, people will laugh at that shit. But some people just come off straight up fucking mean. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> like I've laughed. Like wow, he really got away with saying that. Um, like in particular, like Ty. Oh yeah. When he goes off, especially like I saw my notary on Saturday, and there was like a table of drunk women. And I forget how he said it or whatever, but it was so funny. Everyone was laughing, even them. He says something about, ah, fuck you bitches or something. Right. But you've heard him. He's like, you know, he can get away with that because he knows how to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I cannot. I cannot do that. Sure you can. I will not get away with it. I will be out. Well, I mean, then what's going to happen? I might have some feminists coming after me. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, but then what's going to happen? Oh, then I'll just be at the mic the next week and I won't do (laughs) (laughs) those. I've learned my lesson. I'm not there yet. I don't know. I try to, I really try to avoid offending people the best I can and I really try to narrow down the people that I intend to, I don't want to punch down. I always want to be punching up. Yeah, exactly. I want to offend, you know. And if you're going to, it's got to be really funny. Right. Um, Um, But, also, while I simultaneously say that, like, I don't know. I don't think you have anything to be afraid of. Someone's not going to walk up. Most likely, someone's not going to fucking try to fight you or some shit like that. Um, I hear the the better you get, it happens. <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, then be happy that it's all on camera, most likely. I mean, I feel like if it happens Go to viral me. viral as a comedian <laughs> that got the shit kicked out of him. I feel if it happens to me, I'd probably be upset, obviously, because I probably got stabbed or something. But then I'll be like, hey, guys, I made it. <laughs> I made it. Also, look at the security footage of me getting stabbed. And that'd be I some... said a joke that was so st- funny. It was stab-worthy. Hey, right? And, and then I have brand new material now. Yeah. It's like, you don't like that joke? What, you want to do, stab me I again? Got, uh, yeah. I got stabbed doing stand-up comedy. That's just a sentence that, you know, starts itself. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. All right. So since we're talking about this um, and we talked about your cum jokes and stuff because mm-hmm. like I, I mentioned um i did it and uh, i was doing that zoom show and i heard it like a lot of newbies they start with the dark really offensive i gotta get your attention jokes sure and then you you <laughs> the way you said it earlier like oh, i was doing those dick jokes dick or whatever, jokes yeah and i laugh because you're okay you're I doing those do, now. still do dick jokes yeah um i don't know what it sounded like back then 
but obviously you matured the writing, the same topic, but you've matured it. Let me compare it to because I only yeah. remember one of the jokes from my, again, you can find it on YouTube if anyone's actually interested. Um, but uh, as compared to like wife, my wife beater joke, yeah. whereas I'm jerking off on a fa- the face of a wife beater, you know, like I'm trying to say something in there. Maybe you shouldn't hit women. Also, I'm being really gross, but the two things, you know, can go together pretty well. But originally, like when it just came to just meaningless, uh, I remember telling a joke that was like, there's two of them, I think. Uh, there was one where I was just like, you ever had to take a shit so bad you take all of your clothes off? And like that was just a, pre- it was like a premise. And then I think I remember the other one was like, you ever have to, like, you don't have any privacy in your apartment, so you have to, like, jerk off in a toilet, and uh, you didn't flush, and you just go with the fantasy, and you're just like, oh, maybe she didn't wipe properly, you know? <laughs> yeah, pretty fucking gross, and uh, stupid, stupid jokes that I wasn't so proud of, and I, I literally never told any of the jokes that I did on my first set ever again. Never did, never, never did a, a single one ever again. Uh Yeah. Yeah, but you've matured it now, because um, like I said, the wife beater joke, it's not as gross as I mean, it's a little gross, but it's not as gross as if people just hearing like he's talking about coming on talking some guys. About, there's yeah. a there's a there's a meaning behind there. there's a you know to uh, what's the word? I don't know, but there's there, there's more <laughs> to it than just I'm coming on some guy's face. I don't want to make it some powerful you know philosophy sort of like it ha- holds so much meaning, but you know my intention with a lot of these jokes, and I would never say that I'm mature because I don't think I'll ever be mature because I don't have the mental capacity to do so. But also, do you think we're do, do, do people like us feel like adults eventually? No, I um, no right. I felt like I was adult when I was married until I got home. Huh. Only because when I was married, I had to go to work and do adult things. Right. Then you get home and like, hey, I'm home. Yeah. Other than that, no, I do not feel mature at all. I'm 31 and I play Candy Crush half the day. Well, that's <laughs> that's a whole other other I'm world. I'm worse off. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know. I feel like that's an antiquated thing. There's got to be people out there that are like, I'm an adult and they're probably even younger than we are. They wear suits every day. I used to wear tucked in shirts khaki pants from my old job it was horrible hated it i was dating a girl and we went clothes shopping and i was like hey you know if we're gonna hang out maybe you'll see something that would look good on me or whatever uh but i was like remember there's only one rule it has to be black i was like i almost exclusively wear all black clothes and uh she immediately turns to the rack that's right next to us and grabs these beige khakis and she's like what about these I, was like, oh, I don't think you, this got the, is, you got the first letter right. I don't think this is going to work out. Uh, <laughs> not too good of a listener, mm. apparently. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say I've matured, but I do try to write with a purpose. I, in some jokes, like I have a joke about Confederate s- statues. That's a really gross joke, but I'm saying about how we should. But it's, it's got it's got meaning. Though. We shouldn't it's, respect these people, and uh, like uh, every meaningful joke I have is usually attacking some sort of racist or homophobia or bigotry or something like that. That's super important to me to talk about stuff like that, but also make it digestible enough yeah. so you're not fucking badgering people. Like I love George Carlin, and a lot of comics respect and love George Carlin. I'd never say anything bad about him, but. It, between the two, I'll always pick Richard Pryor 
over George Carlin because Richard Pryor would talk about himself and talk about really meaningful stuff and really important stuff, but he'd make it way more personal. Whereas Richard, uh, whereas uh, George Carlin, it always kind of felt like he was giving a, t- a TED talk. And he didn't really talk about himself too often. It was always just him mm-hmm. kind of rambling on about, at least to my memory of watching George Carlin as a kid and stuff like that. But, and the... Yeah, so that Richard Pryor approach where it's, you know, you can say something that's meaningful, but you can still be a goofball about it. Yeah. That's real important to me because, like, I don't know. I equate it to bands. Like, if you look at bands, like, the Foo Fighters are a good example. Um, They don't take themselves seriously. If you watch any of their music videos, they're entertaining because they're not fucking, like, like you're every other rock band on the planet that's, like, we're badasses and we're the coolest people ever. It's like yeah, you can you gotta, actually have fun with this stuff. You don't have yeah. to take it so seriously. Yeah, you gotta, you can't, it just can't be willy-nilly, but you gotta have fun with it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's a good <laughs> that's some That's some solid comedy advice I'd love to give anyone out there when they're fucking feeling miserable about this awful entertainment business is just like, hey, remember to have fun with it. Try not to have too much fun like a guy like me who just fucking goes out and drinks too much or whatever. But Hey, I like to do that. What's wrong with that? That's always good. Uh, I'm looking at the your audio, and I'm just making sure that I'm recording because I'm such a mumbly guy. Test. No, yeah, you're recording. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, you're on the bottom. Just yeah. making sure. Okay. So, so I'm so quiet. Uh, no, it's good. Don't worry. I'll raise the volume. We'll be good. Beautiful. Yeah. Um. So yeah. so you um so you said you you kind of idolized George. That's kind of the com- comedian you wanted to be. Is that still kind of true? Yeah, in a way. Like um like I said, the meaningfulness of what he's trying to say, where he he goes up on stage and he you know he does make it a lot easier for people to to laugh at horrible things. Like he rants about the government and politics and all sorts of you know bigotry and all that sort of shit. Um. Yeah, yeah, big George Carlin fan. He's a very big inspiration to me. He, I loved his attitude. His attitude is something that I really, really held on to because it wasn't really. I was never really a big Bill Hicks fan. Um, you know, he was he was great. He had some stuff that was kind of weird and what I'd call problematic nowadays. Uh, check out Goat Boy. Uh, <laughs> look up Bill Hicks Goat Boy sometime. Jesus Christ. Yeah, some things do not age well. No, they really don't. Um, but yeah, I really, really loved that attitude of George Carlin, and I don't think there was really anybody that was inspiring me the way that he was outside of like religious debates. I was a big Christopher Hitchens fan. I'd watch a lot of like um, atheists shutting down religious people, which is now uh, a little extra, yeah. a little too much. Uh, I was very, very much a militant atheist type when I was uh, a lot younger, and now I've fucking let it go because there's other more important shit to th- what is he you're gonna sit around all day debating or well whether or not a thing is real or not why don't you just fucking go out and have a life Sounds well like said a, well said that know? goes for anything just let it go let it go let it go you're wasting you know, your entire yeah. entire time enjoy your peanut butter and tacos just let it go some dumbass like me isn't going to convince some other dumbass that believes in white jesus that white jesus probably isn't real because they've been spending their whole fucking life believing it so what's the point in wasting my time i'd rather just tell my stupid dick jokes <laughs> I guess. I mean, if it's working, you know. I, do, I do still have like some anti-religion jokes, but they're still like, I don't know, they're playful. I'm not just flat out saying, you know, fuck what you believe or anything like that. And I don't want to be one of those people, really. Yeah, uh, that that would not go well. People would be like, no, fuck you. But the whole being playful it. about <laughs> it, you know, like, if you give your side of it, like why you don't believe in it, yeah, it's different. 
Yeah. And it's funny versus God's not real. That's kind of the yeah. the trick with a lot of joke writing too is you have to really make it about you. I remember somebody hearing just some very, very basic advice from some comic once that was just like a friend of ours had got off stage and he's like, stop telling this story about your friend. Make it about you. Try that out sometime. Like, stop mm. telling, oh, yeah, my friend did this and that. Just replace it with you. You may as well. You're telling the same fucking story anyway. Like, people want to hear about you. They want it. Yeah. I don't know. They want to be personal. Yeah. Uh, actually, at the notoriety show I was at Saturday, because um, I, I was there with the mirror, he got to go up. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go to the bar, and some girl intercepts us and brings us outside to smoke. And. Yeah, she was giving him tips like, "Oh, you gotta make your jokes more personal." Yeah, I don't remember anything, and she's not a comic either right. at all. She's comic, so to say, like she writes stuff but never goes up. Sure, and interest interested in the world. Yeah, and then he's like, "No, those were jokes were personal." Um, he did the breakup joke with the kid. Right. I was like, "No, that's pretty. That actually happened." In fact, I was in the car when he told me that, and I gave him a tag, and it's like, "No, that's yeah, that's pretty personal." Like you don't know. Oh, everybody thinks they're a fucking comic. They watch it and they suddenly have, they're suddenly a comedy connoisseur. Yeah, but I, I've heard the whole make it personal, sell it, you know. Yeah. But do you think that's really important? Like, because, um, you know, you can make, you know, there, there's comics who make jokes about outlandish things that are never going to happen be true. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, important, uh, it's hard to say whether it's important. I think it's something that I want to strive to. All my favorite comedians um, kind of just, give up all of themselves you mm-hmm. get to know this and everything about this person through their podcast through you know mm-hmm. whatever through their sharing their lives and and all that sort of stuff so that's my intention at some point you know and i've i've done a pretty good job on being pretty honest and uh, open about who i am online and stuff like that and people really do relate to that stuff like I, t- I talk a lot about mental uh health and stuff like that online and twitter and stuff like that and i get dms all the time from people saying like thank you <laughs> you know yeah. like it feels so fucking good to, because it feels like i'm wasting my time anytime i post something online it feels like a complete like i'm throwing something out into a void but yeah. every now and then you release something that is very personal and then somebody can relate to it. I've done uh, a bunch of mental health jokes too, talking about my experiences in psychiatric hospitals for depression and stuff like that, and had people off their shows talk to me about that. And it's just like you know, before you know it, you're ta- you're talking about uh, you know ed- mental health advice, which you might not exactly want to take from me, but I have been around the block a little bit, so I know a thing or two. But yeah, no, that being personal definitely makes you connect you know um it's great to laugh and then when you hear something like you know what i can relate to that Uh, yeah this person's a a human uh let me talk to them making a person laugh is cool making a person laugh and also like think a little bit Uh, that's even cooler i think you know and you they bond a little better and then that's more of a fan it's not just someone oh Oh, you were funny oh yeah yeah, i'm gonna follow you because you know what i get what you're saying especially in your local scene they'll they'll go they'll seek you out Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'll ask you about where you're going to be next week, where you're going to be for this day. And then before you know it, you're having people follow you to places and stuff yeah, like that. I guess I got to be more personal. Yeah. I mean, it took me a while to just get out of my shell on and off stage. Um, you know, it takes, takes every, you have to find yourself and, you know, find your voice as everybody says it did all, it all takes time and stuff like that. And it took me a little bit. I'd say it took about 
two years before I found the writing style that I really wanted to pursue and really stick to. And then it took me probably upwards of like six years to really... Because like the first four or so years of me doing comedy was me standing stiff as a board center stage and delivering my jokes kind of like Stephen Wright would, very dry, very deadpan. And I love doing that, and I love deadpan and dry humor, but at some point it felt unnatural. Like, why am I just standing in po- in place? So now it's like, let's take the mic out and let's walk around. Yeah. Let's And over the time, I just started doing things out of my comfort zone that wound up actually being much more fun because standing still, it might not feel that way or it might not even seem that way to some people, but I think you might be stifling yourself in a little way. Being, We don't stand still typically. We're moving around all the time, and especially yeah. in conversations and all that. So Yeah, I do like the standing still, that pan-minimal movement stuff. I'm not really a high-energy kind of person. Yeah, um, There are some jokes, like when I do the diabetes, the diabetes joke i feel like i gotta give a little bit more to sell it yeah but. sure well i mean who knows you maybe you'll change your mind you'll find like a hybrid middle ground or something like and that because that's what i'm looking for um because i've been really getting into a lot with uh nate bargetsy i don't know um he's a funny guy you should check him out sure check him out he's got a special on netflix i know tennessee kid okay um and his style is pretty much like he's just standing still most of the time talking he uses his hand a little bit he's just Shooting the shit, kind of talking, right? Um, which is, I like that style, but he's not as deadpan as I do with some of my other jokes that I'm trying to evolve from. Sure, but and I've heard it a lot. It takes a while to get your voice and really find your style, like what you think you want, yeah, what you're doing, and then what you really are. It takes experimenting. You people put too much pressure on themselves, and I think that's you know how I started to like. When you start, you kind of feel like everybody kind of hates your fucking guts. You don't have any friends yet. You know, you slowly meet meet some comics and stuff like that. You'll be fortunate if you, like, have a good set and then have somebody walk up to you and tell you that you're funny. And before you know it, you're making comedian friends and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. when I started, you know, it, it felt very much like a click. Like, I, I wasn't um, part of the group sometimes. It, it definitely feels like that because everyone's... Uh, like when I like exactly like you said when I started, you guys were already close. You've been doing it for a while, yeah. um, and it feels kind of like exactly like a click. Like, all right, I'm the new guy here. Got to work my way up a little bit. But all likelihood, uh, you're just putting too much pressure on yourself. Like so many people are. I'll, I think of all the countless comics that have. They're like, all right, I got to write more. I got to do this. I got to do that. And it's just like, yeah, you probably should work harder, but. Don't like, don't forget to have a good fucking time yeah. as you're doing it. You don't have to actually sit like so many comics. I like, I hate telling the same jokes over and over again. I've been doing this for almost ten years. I love telling the same jokes over and over again because it's they're my jokes. I, I love them. I hate they're my babies. I, I hate doing the same jokes only because it's getting repetitive. Sure. But every now, like I found a new tag for one of the jokes I'm doing, and that's what I love when it's something because it, when it grows. Right. Sometimes it does get annoying. I'm doing the same. Like when the, when we had an open mic almost every single night, mm-hmm. two at a time, and doing the same one for, it gets a little annoying because like, I don't. I'm gonna say it again, but yeah. it definitely helps perfect it. Yep. And then one day you're like, I love this joke. You're polishing a turd, mm-hmm. as they say. It's gonna be a nice turd. It's, it's very be a nice, turd. shiny turd one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have enough material where I can switch it out. If I was to do the same shows, like. 
I could probably do a couple weeks yeah. of not doing the same material and then eventually work my way back to the, doing that and then jumble it all together to mi- mix up the stuff and put jokes where they don't belong and just kind of... Yeah, you got a playlist. No structure. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, in a way. Yeah. I think maybe it's just because I'm still stuck on my one-hit wonder. I got to get through my... Build my playlist and... It's not like I hate my jokes, but I do sometimes like I don't want to do the same joke again. Yeah, of course. But I don't hate them. No. The ones that have been working, I love them. Just practice and practice. Find a new tag, improve on it. 10,000 hours. I wonder if I've hit that yet. I I wish I kept track of how many shows I've done. So I used to have a notebook where I'd keep a tally, and I lost track around like 82, and I stopped counting, and that was obviously a very, very long time ago. Well, I mean, 82... You can probably, you know, reverse engineer a little bit. You know, 82 for whatever weeks. Now you've been doing it for this mm. many years with the same intensity, blah, 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 X equals blah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. COVID kind of fucked up the equations a little bit. Yeah. That's, yeah we'll put an asterisk on this year. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah, I think a lot of comics just pressure themselves too much. Um, and it's, you know, it's the hardest goddamn job in the entertainment business. You may as well be a fucking painter. Like... Good luck. Yeah, that's hard. Good luck making money. (laughs) So concern yourself with having a good time, and then everything else will kind of just fall into place, I think, because people will recognize that you're a funny person. If you're actually a funny person, you know, they'll start wanting to work with you, and then... I mean, having fun is... uh, That's the one advice everyone's given on this, like, just have fun, because it's true. Like I said, I feel a little anxious until I go up, yeah. mainly because I just want to go up, and then you're done, whether they laugh or not. You go outside, and you all start having a cigarette or joy or whatever, and now it's a good time party. Yeah. it's And even if you bomb, you still go outside, you do the same thing, having a good-ass time. Yeah. I mean, um, sure, that might be surrounded with addiction and and uh, the crave uh, for the love and attention of uh, friends and strangers, but it's I've, still a good time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of how we're wired. I know bit, enough uh, sober guys to still confirm that it's a good time. Yeah. Guys that actually don't drink or smoke or anything like that, and they still have time Definitely. in their lives. Definitely. I mean, it's just a good bonding experience regardless. It's a nice yeah. little cool club to be in. I kind of think that we are the embodiment of a good time, you know, like you look at any you know, modern celebrity, it's like they always have at least one comic somewhere in their close friends list because who doesn't like being around comedians? Right, yeah. They're usually yeah. a good time. There are people out there who don't like being around comedians, and I don't blame you. They're barely people, but some of us are pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we have a... I don't think we have an off switch. I do. I mean, you got to in, a, in some areas. You definitely have to know the audience but yeah. at the same time like if you're around the right people you'll never have to worry about that that's true there are pe- there's people who go too far like you'll be standing outside and you will be able to you can recognize that a joke mm-hmm. is being told it's like but they're trying to pass it off as a story and it's like are you trying to tell me a joke right now oh yeah i ask people that oh, too look. i'm like are you trying to tell me a joke right now and they'll be like yeah i don't like save it for the fucking open mic yeah. that we're at <laughs> yeah. no see that's not what i was going just saying like always making jokes even in unintentionally because that's all we do we just joke around you know like we'll just say dumb stuff that's funny it was i don't think i've pete, ever pete holmes said a quote that i'll never remember i even tweeted to him and he won't he can't even remember it but it was something along the lines of like and he, it's a quote that he took from somebody else so it's not a pete holmes quote but it was like something like humor is the quickest way to deliver the truth to somebody or something like that 
And I, I don't know. I feel like joking around all the time. Like that is a very people like that. Typically, I mean, obviously, there's moments in life where you got to be serious and you got to take things serious and you got to be an adult and all this sort of stupid shit. But like, every time I make my girlfriend laugh, her tits bounce. <laughs> so what's, how could I not constantly right. tell jokes? Like, you know, like, like that's and that's it. not just my girlfriend. All girls' boobs bounce when you make them laugh. Believe it or not. So I'm gonna keep an eye out. Sometimes for that, you like, just gotta make just for that thing alone tell jokes yeah. just for that so if you make a girl laugh and her boobs don't move you didn't really make her laugh some girls don't have big enough boobs to, to bounce unfortunately just like dudes and their penises that's uh, yeah, yeah there's always an exception you're right that'd be kind of funny if dudes like kind of did a kegel when they laughed i mean I, if you had a boner you probably would but i'm trying to think really hard have i ever laughed and a body part of mine at all Reacted some way. I don't want to get too gross, but if like a girl like keeps going, and I mean like not not sex, but like you know the other things, old, old hand job or okay. a mouth hug keeps going, I can't, I can't help but laugh. I laugh my ass off every time. <laughs> that sounds like a crazy person thing. After it, you, it after tickles, you finish, it tickles. Yeah. After you finish, yeah, that. Feeling. And then I feel so rude giggling. I know. <laughs> no, you're spot on. I'm, I'm squirming. I'm like no. No. Yeah, hey, hey, I'd hate to say stop, right. but also, you know, you're really... You're yeah, that's my, I'm ticklish. <laughs> I'm ticklish, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Look, don't take any offense to the things I said. Girls' boobs bounce and all that, but that's not the purpose of telling jokes. That's just one of mine. Yeah, right? Just laugh. <laughs> just laugh. <laughs> I, I, I see no problem in telling jokes constantly, and, and the whole COVID thing actually... Um, kind of helped me in some areas uh in terms of improving getting out of my shell because i'm not a super social person a lot oh and, neither um, am i dude i mean i make a whole joke about that like that's, yeah how that's serious i'm like oh, i, I do know. avoid talking to people and like sometimes like even aubrey and i we went to go to some animal rescue place to just pet some animals and, oh with uh, the parrot is that where the pair was? Yeah, that's the second place that we went. Oh, okay. uh, but we went to another place before that, and like we're sitting in the car, and I'm just like sitting there. I was like, "Look, I'm gonna sound probably like a crazy person, but I would love to experience this entire thing without talking to another single human being, dude." I mean, and I want you to do whatever you want and feel however you want and be comfortable and be yourself. But I would love it if we went, we went into this place and pretty much anywhere, and if you didn't go out of your way to talk to somebody. That drives me crazy. I, I can't do it. Uh, Sometimes. Ooh, I mean, that's majority how I feel, too. Even doing this podcast, I'm like, I wish I could just do an interview with Ryan without having to have Ryan. <laughs> you know, like, I feel the same way. Because, no, like, I yeah, don't. I mean, it's just inter like interactions, like, um, introverted. Like, uh, I don't really. It's strangers for me. I just don't. I don't know you. Strange. I can go by with strangers because most times it's just those short, like, hey, how you doing? Good. Right. How are you? Good. Have a good day. But that's. That's me sometimes. But the point that I was trying to get at is um, COVID has kind of helped me out in that area because it's like, boy, do I kind of miss people. And uh, lately um, and right when COVID actually started, I had noticed that I had been talking to strangers more um, and telling jokes more specifically. Like, cause you'll have, sometimes there'll be an opportunity and I don't know, you get a completely random stranger to laugh in the supermarket or, you know, whatever. I was doing my tattoo removal service the other day. I went in like two days ago. Um, and I was leaving and there was a woman sitting in the waiting room and I go, don't trust him. He'll, he'll hurt you. 
And she started laughing. And I was like, I'm just kidding. He's great. The doctor that removes the tattoo. Not doctor. Wouldn't that be great if you needed a doctorate to remove tattoos? It's not a doctor? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> he does uh, wear a, a lab coat, though. I hmm. thought it was some kind of like special medical procedure. I don't think so. No, I think oh. he, if, as long as you can afford a $200,000 laser, okay, then you could probably do a tattoo removal thing. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it's not doctors doing tattoos. <laughs> doctor, doctors without tattoos, without borders. Anyway, oh. um, yeah, but, you know, that lady laughed. And so did the tattoo removal guy. So, boom, I just got two people to laugh with a practically a one-liner. And then I'm out the door. I feel good about making them laugh, and I've been just literally doing that more. And it, it sounds like I'm bragging about such like a common no, everyday I'm thing because there are people out there who actually function and talk to other hum- human beings they don't know. But I've been kind of proud of myself this past I mean, year getting out of my shell. Yeah, that's definitely good. You're being more... Uh, I guess is it extroverted, you know? Um, yeah. I don't like being introverted in a lot of ways, but there's some ways to, like, people will definitely confuse you for mysterious, or in my case, intimidating, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever had to experience in my entire comedy career is the countless newbies in comedy that go, oh, the first time I met you were so intimidating. Like, what are you talking? I cry in my car all the time. Yeah, but we don't see that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you get out the car, it's like, oh, God. They'll yeah. be like, no, oh, you know, I, I, I guess I, a pussy is not intimidating. I've never, looking back, I can actually see that you being a little intimidating looking all the time. I think it's just because you wear black. Maybe I think it's just because I am yeah, pretty quiet. That's all. That too. That People too. think I'm, I don't Me. like them because I'm being too quiet or something. I've gotten that too because I, like I said, I'm quiet. Like, uh, yeah, I don't. I actually had a. Um, like a meeting, like some guy wanted me to be a co-host for his show. He found me on Twitter and he's, he looked at a couple of my videos and he thought I was really funny. And he's like, I'm throwing my life savings together to make this show. And I'd like to, you to be the co-host. And I was like, okay, cool. And, uh, you know, he sent me some things and it didn't really seem like a project I was really super interested in, but I was like, fuck it. It's like a week of filming. Maybe it, maybe it'd be cool. And he's like, can I meet you in person? And we'll talk it over some more. And I was like, sure. And we meet and he tells me his whole life story. And I'm just like, Ugh, this is clearly, this is not a project that I want to be involved with co host or not. Like he wants me to be interviewing people I don't know or care about, which is not, mm. doesn't it? Like you put me down mm. with, uh, you know, a comedian that I actually care about, I'll talk their ear off all day for you, yeah, no problem. Yeah. But if you're gonna bring in some some technology guru, it's like I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. talk to you. I don't know you. I don't know anything about you, and I'm not gonna do research. No thanks. So at some point, I'm sitting down at this lunch meeting with this guy, and I'm I'm quiet like the whole time, and he's just like, "What's on your mind?" And I was like, mm. "I would really love to go home right now." I'm not saying that I want to leave and that this is an awful meeting or anything like that. But in my mind, the for, in the forefront of my of my brain is I wish I wasn't here right now. Not in like a fuck you and fuck your project sort of way. It's just I would be so much more comfortable not doing this. Yeah, no, I, I can re- relate to that so much. Yeah. Uh, I do that at Mike sometimes. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I can relate. Um, it's very it's kind of weird. You yeah. think like because I make a joke about it, it's weird like we're doing jokes on stage in front of people we don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. Center of attention, and we're like, yeah, I don't like people. I don't like to talk to people. Comedians are very contradictory types. Jerry uh, Seinfeld even said something like that, like in uh, some interview where he's like, "Put me on stage and I'll talk all night, but you put me in 
put me in the crowd and I won't know what to say. Yeah, and it's it's funny. Like, um, I don't know if it's maybe not funny or irony. I don't know. I should look up. I should look up. I should get a fucking thesaurus and look up words more. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it is it is when you look at it that way. Like, wow, these. Okay, because I was actually working on a joke for, um, what happened this last week. Like, we're comics. We yeah introverted like talking to people not so much we want to do our jokes for them for the most part you know maybe a little oversimplifying this right now versus the people the poets and the singers who are outgoing people and they're doing almost the same thing they're going on stage in front of people but they're so outgoing right some of them i'm sure you know yeah every side has their and i don't dive into that side because again i'm just like i want to go home yeah but then we're doing almost the same thing going on stage in front of people but we're just like at the end like you know it's it's so it's a real it's a real strange unnatural thing yeah i don't know how to explain it but yeah it's even just the idea of getting in front of a whole room full full of people just to tell jokes and make them laugh and having everybody with their attention and focus on you is just such a strange thing and then to get rewards from that eventually and just the gratification and there's just so many factors coming together in the world of stand-up comedy that just like it makes very makes for interesting people the people that get involved are typically interested and somehow without ever even meeting each other you could meet somebody who's interested in comedy or somebody that has been doing comedy for a while and if you're a comic or somebody who's interested in comedy it's amazing how much in common you'll have with a complete stranger especially two stranger comics meeting each other. Like if I, some dude from San Diego came by today, has been doing the same amount of comedy as I have or whatever. And we wound up talking, we'd probably immediately find connections through just the, it's, you know, it's a really cool club to be in like a, yeah, bro- a brotherhood of, it's fun. Brotherhood it's ancestors, just a genderless hood. Genderless. Hood. Gen- yeah. Whatever. Whatever that. I think that covers it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Or those who have multiple genders. Yes. Whatever you are. Yeah. Join stand-up comedy. Yeah, it's... Don't do it. Don't, don't. <laughs> Let me talk you out of it, actually. Uh, it's been a great ride so far, and I'm only one year in. One year in, yeah. and most of that year has been destroyed by a pandemic, so... Yep, yep, but uh, I'm going to put it on my resume still. Hey, yeah, but it's absolutely lie on your comedy resumes. Nobody can back it up. Well, why right? not? Yeah, look it up on YouTube. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's been interesting this year. Um, everything, getting out of my comfort zone to do this. Um, met some great fun people. Yeah. You know, uh, you're one of them. Oh, I've jobs and party animals. Maybe. You know. I'm d- I fit into both those categories. So I'll admit it. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, met, I met a lot of great people. I met some really great friends out this year. Um, even outside of comedy, because they like comedy, <gasps> and I happened to be starting my comedy when I met them. What? Yeah, dude, it's been great. Friends outside comedy. I know. I bring them to shows. Something come support. What a world. I know. It's trippy. It's like I got two lives. At some point, I practically replaced all my friends with comedians. I still have some that I, you know, I hold on to that are non-comedy and related. I don't like. If it wasn't for these group of friends I met when I was starting comedy, my only friends would be comedians. And there's only like two or three of them, but like, it's just, it's kind of nice when I don't do something comedy and just want to be around normal people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Can't, can't do it all the time. No. Unfortunately. I don't know. I feel like I probably would love that. 
I mean, I do miss the open mics every night. It was, you know, something to do every night. Yep. It's new people do jokes. I probably would do it all the time, too. You know? It was a lot of fun. What do the fucking normal people do? Jeez, you stay home and you read a book? Or play Candy Crush. That's Put a puzzle together. Anime, watch anime. Yuck. Why not spend five hours so you could at some, at some bar so you can get five minutes on stage? <laughs> That's very appealing, and I uh, will do it. I don't know. I mean, we do, we I do, love do all it. these misfits. They, we speak the same language, comedians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have that little tiny thing inside us that just clicks with the people who have. There's the, yep. com- the full time comedians who just do this, and the open micers who have a full time job or two, whatever. Right. There's that one little thing inside us that like less. Let me spend five hours at this bar in line to maybe go up. Yeah. Well, that reminds me too, you know, I'm far from some sort of headliner type or, I mean, I really haven't really asked anybody to headline or anything like that. And I certainly haven't been offered maybe a couple times, uh, you know, do a half hour set at the most. Um, so I'm more like, you know, feature kind of opener area. Um, but when I started, you know, fucking, and to this very day, you just constantly hear people shitting on open mics. And it's just so ridiculous to me because it's like, this is the number one place that you come to practice. This is where we all start. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some, well, you know, some hater or whatever the hell you want to call him uh, say to me at one point, you only hang out with newer comics so you can feel like a bigger comic yourself. And it's like, no, I hang out with newer comics because they're nice people that are interested in the mm. thing that I've dedicated my entire, uh, the past 10 years to, you know, like, and I love it more than anything in the world. Plus like, you know, headliners are fucking assholes half the time. Half these people, they get some, they get their own head up their ass thinking that they're God's greatest gift to comedy. And they very well might be one of the funniest people in the world, but there's no purpose in being a dickhead to, yeah, to people. True. And, and, uh, you know, not being nice to the people that you're working around and stuff like that. I pretty much get along with just about everybody, regardless of what level you are in comedy. And, and you know, I think that everybody should be treated pretty much the same. It drives me nuts when people think that they're so high and mighty. It's like, you started, where, how yeah, else yeah. do you expect people to fucking start right. in comedy? Yeah, remember when you bombed your very first time or so? Everyone's going to go through that. Right. Don't forget you know, it's like needing forget. a job to get. It's like needing a car to get to your perfect job. Like you still need to work to get that car yeah, to get st- the job. <laughs> like, you still gotta walk to the car. Yeah, you gotta get <laughs> there's still yeah. stuff, and like you, you're not gonna be some fucking brilliant. Like, yeah, drives me nuts. Yeah. Well, I'm so. glad you spent time with us. Is that your outro? No, it's not. Oh, okay. No. Um. What was my outro? I don't know. I had it in my head actually. So you do comedy. And oh no, I was gonna still well, alive. I was, well, I was gonna ask you since you brought it up. Um, you know, once things pick up more, um, are you gonna go for more headlining spots? Are you gonna request some or headlining spots? Probably not. I'll probably stick to um, featuring and stuff like that. And my biggest goal is once all of this is hopefully blows over, which is really not looking like it's going to. Actually, I was looking at some stats. Uh, about Vegas specifically, we're at like tw- like twenty one percent of the population is infected or some shit. It's like fucking retarded right now. How bad yeah. it is. I got like another friend. She's getting tested tomorrow because she thinks she has it. Yeah, yeah. So things aren't really picking up that way, and that's fine too, as long as they keep giving us unemployment money. Go ahead, absolutely destroy the whole economy. Just keep having, giving me I'm my checks. To work. 
Yeah, well, that was a dumb idea now, wasn't it? I know, right? Why did I have a career? Call your boss right now and say a racial slur to him so he fires you, and then you can get unemployment. <laughs> <laughs> or just do your job poorly for the for a couple weeks. I already, I already do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what the fuck were we talking about? Headlining. Headlining. Uh, yeah, my goals are probably going to be just really try to get the underwear show back up. You know, actually, you know, since you bring it up, since we're going to probably be stuck like this for a while, and it just popped in my head just now, like, why don't we just do more? I mean, everyone's doing Zoom shows and stuff. But yeah. You know, I mean, at some point, we kind of have to just, whether we like it or not, explore that possibility. Why not do, do Zoom? The I don't know. Underwear show. on Online? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I don't know. Uh, it's just... I've done a handful of the Zoom shows, and it's just not the same. And, you know, please, do your, do your Zoom shows. I'm not going to try to be one of these judgmental comics that says it's a waste of time or anything like that. They're definitely... I've seen them bene be beneficial. I've seen funny Zoom shows, too. Like, Kirk has done a bunch of them that I've watched, and they're they're always pretty entertaining. But for me, personally, just I need that audience reaction. It'd no, be nice if I could hear the audience if I was going to do an online show. Definitely. Um, the one I did... It's actually pretty good. There was enough. I think it was forty people, yeah. which surprised me. Um, so, because I, I was thinking the same thing. Like, I'm not gonna hear anyone's laughter. Right. Blah blah blah. But they left, they left them unmuted as long as their house wasn't chaotic. Right. So they could hear the laughter. So you can still kind of hear them. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I mean, it, I guess it's like any other show. Who, how well it's produced, um, how well it's advertised. So. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely could do it, um, for sure. But I don't know. Not I think the underwear show online would be a pretty good draw. Maybe because I mean it's not just comedy. The whole, your the whole theme behind doing the underwear shows, the comedians in their underwears, is already a pretty good idea and concept. Right. Yeah. So now you're going online. There's perverts online. Well, I might need to think. I do know there are plenty of perverts online. I might need yeah. to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe I'll give that a try one day. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, my goals are pretty much just kind of. It, like I wanted to go back on the street and talk to people like everything that everything that I want to do it's just not possible right now and uh, it's such a shame yeah. so uh, yeah I've been really just trying to focus on the online stuff and I mean that's take up some other skills like you know the drum set and whatnot that's all we can do right now life out there is slowly dying yeah yeah we need to we need to all sit down and make something together just a big group of us and like actually do it. We like really a, should. As a movie. As many of us as there is, we should. Yeah. I got some ideas that I'd love to pitch to a group and, you know, see where we can run with it. And yeah. I'm working on a script for a movie. Good. So Sell it to Polly Shore. No. <laughs> Nothing against him, but. It's not for, it's not the role f built for him. No. Like in my head, this is more of a, like a, a Seth Rogen okay. and his crew oh, type of movie. Right, all right. Uh, Judd Aptow. Yeah. Hell yeah. So I'm going to sell it to them. I hope it works out. I hope so too. That'd be great. Script writing is such a fucking nightmare and I hate it so much. I like writing. I like script writing. Yeah, we should do something. I'll write the scripts. Hey. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Absolutely. So I don't know how long we've been going. Um, this has been a very good one. This has been a very it's informational been one. about an hour or so. Hour 15. This is the new record now. Hey. New record. Look at that. Well, maybe like an hour and 10. There was that setup. But hey, new record. Very informative. Very, we got very, very, very yeah, personal. I hope that wasn't entirely boring to if there's anybody out there listening. Well, uh, I mean, this is behind the scenes. You know, if you want a comedy, go to the show. And uh, this is informative. Yeah, we were so funny, though. 
Yeah, I yeah. think so. Funny that it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's funny to us. That's right. <laughs> and do I plug myself? Um, I'm about to give you that okay. in a moment, yeah. um, but I want to ask you one last final question. Okay. To anyone out there who's thinking about doing comedy, who's just started doing comedy or whatever, what's one advice you wish you could have given yourself that you're going to give them now? Um, don't be afraid to ask for shows. For shows uh, yeah. I spent a long time, I spent about anywhere between two and four years maybe, not really asking for shows. I would occasionally ask for a show or, you know, uh, whatever, but a lot of the time I'd go to shows and I wouldn't even talk to the host or whatever. Then that's a dumb move to do right there. You should definitely talk to the host no matter what show you're at. If, if, as long as you're not being a pain in the ass, following the guy around or whatever, whoever's booking the show, walk over and talk. Hi, I'm a comedian. I'd love to do your show sometime. If you have uh, five minutes available tonight, I'd, I'd be so grateful. Like, whatever. Like, I, you'd be surprised how many times I've been put on a show that I'm not on in that night. Or if they say no, then you'll be on next week or you'll be mm. on a month from now. Uh, you might even make some money. So just uh, make sure that any show, don't be nervous about it. And I think it's kind of expected of us in a way that you should ask for shows. If you could, you know, any like st- I've probably told you the same very thing at some point, you know, because so many people go to Steve McAnally's show. That's like a perfect opener showcase. If for in terms of if you're starting out in comedy, that's like the perfect showcase to get on is Steve McAnally's show because he always has a pretty decent audience mm-hmm. of nice, supportive people and all that sort of thing. But they're they're also not going to laugh at everything. And Steve's a nice guy, and you know he'll put you on the show like that. And before you know it, you got five seven minutes on stage. He'll give you a feature spot if you've been working hard enough. He'll, he'll yeah, whatever. But ask for those yeah. spots because they're not going to... I spent so much time expecting to be booked based off of my talent because people would tell me that I was talented. People would tell me that I'm funny, blah, blah, blah. But they wouldn't give me a spot. And if I had just made the extra effort in to do that, I probably could have gotten a lot more shows earlier in my comedy career. Um, if I just made the effort to talk, but I was a lot less social than I was than I am now back in the day. So just ask for a spot. Can't hurt. What's the worst that's going to happen? They say no. Yeah. And most likely they're not going to say flat out. No, they'll say no, but come back next week. And I feel like most people are at least nice enough to like give someone a five minute guest spot. Even if it's not that nice here, like most of the time. So yeah, Manny, guys like Manny, he'll always throw you up. Um, that's a showcase. I mean, not always, but I've seen him turn away. Very few people like, most people in comedy are generally nice people and, and all that. So Yeah, if you're not a dick to them, yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah, big, big part of uh, comedy yeah. advice. Don't be a fucking asshole. Yeah, especially, like, to the ones who are cool and then everyone's being a dick and then eventually they stop being cool because everyone's a dick to them or somewhat. Yeah, yeah. Be nice to your hosts. Be nice to your hosts. If you're arguing with a host, chances are you're wrong. Yeah. Even if he's wrong, you're wrong. It's like dating. <laughs> well, I mean, some hosts. I, I don't know. Yeah. I've definitely seen some shit. Yeah, well, that was a good advice. I haven't, I haven't heard of that one on the show. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in terms of advice I haven't told uh, already. That's that's a big one right there. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask for a show. Yeah. All right. So uh, this again this is Ryan Barasa. Um, he's got. He had shows before COVID, but he's got, uh, you know, do, do your do your thing. Uh, yeah, before COVID, I had a weekly open mic at the Sand Dollar. Who knows when that's going to be coming back. Music is their priority, and uh, I also run Underwear Show. You can find Underwear Show on uh, facebook.com slash underwear show. 
Give us a like, please. Uh, even though we're not doing shows right now, we need your support. And by liking it, you'll see further shows when I do finally put them together. But the most important things are my Twitter, which is at Ryan Kickassa, R-Y-A-N-K-I-C-K-A-S-S-A. And uh, all my links, literally every link that I have can be found at allmylinks.com slash Ryan Kickassa, R-Y-N-K-I-C-K-A-S-S-A. Also, I'm an independent porn producer. I make and sell my own porn. That's right. I shoot pictures of my ding-dong and videos and all that, and I post it on the internet. You can find all that stuff at Joke Slut on uh, Twitter if you happen to like nude, rude, ginger guys. That's pretty much it. Buy my stuff. Buy my merch. Check out my Patreon. I put check, My Twitter's the best place for everything. I put so much shit on Twitter. So much funny stuff. Yeah, awesome. I'll have the links on there, too, so you can... Click on them. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, dude, thank you for being on the podcast. I love talking about myself. I don't like talking about myself if this works out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll train yourself to. Yeah, I got to get there. I got to get there. All right. Well, thanks for watching or listening. Good night. Like and subscribe to this shit, too. Damn it. I always forget to do that. Yeah.